0: Coming up on Across the Chains, free the ripple. XRP is not a security. One week later, what else do we know? Plus, presidential candidate Robert Kennedy wants to back USD with Bitcoin. And blue chip back Cello wants to become an Ethereum layer two. Is this a retreat? All this and more coming up on Across the Chains. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and Mr. Bebisk and Mr. Suvlaki? How are you guys doing?
1: <laughs> doing good. Uh-huh. I thought I thought you were talking about how I was like a tertiary uh you know gender there for a moment. I was like,
0: I was not I was not blender gending you or gender blending you. we uh, we 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 know where you stand. So <laughs> <laughs> how are you guys doing? Nice. Yeah, doing good. Yeah. Get, cracking you know, up on all hit me at once. The free the ripple
1: joke, I think, was uh, really quality.
0: I can't believe nobody came up with it. Like, I, I when I was writing the show, I was like, "Wait, nobody's used this joke yet." So there, are, there yeah. are going to be, there's going to be
1: like someone from a writer's room watching this back and be like, "Ah, oh, we missed it."
0: God damn it! It was right there the whole time. <laughs> we didn't see it. That's kind of what I felt about it. I thought it was like the obvious uh, headline. But anyway, well, anyway, so let's talk about free the ripple. So um, I want to start off with uh, the our friends from the all-in pod, uh, Mr. Jason Calcanis who's an old friend, as you know. Let's see how they covered it. Activision case,
2: apparently, and it's breaking news, a partial win is what it looks like. Let me read this here. Judge gives Ripple partial win in SEC case over XRP currency. Ripple Labs, Inc. violated federal securities law in its sale of cryptocurrency XRP directly to sophisticated investors But its sales on public exchanges did not involve securities, a U.S. judge said in a ruling that sent the cryptocurrency soaring. XRP was up 25% after the ruling. SEC had accused the company and its current and former chief executives of conducting a $1.3 billion unregistered security offering by selling XRP, which Ripple's founders created in 2012 U.S. District judge who was based in New York on Thursday said the company's 728.9 million of XRP sales to hedge funds and other sophisticated buyers amounted to unregistered sales of securities. But Torres ruled XRP sales on public cryptocurrency exchanges were not offers of securities under the law because the purchasers did not have a reasonable expectation of profit tied to Ripple's effort. Okay. Those sales were blind bid ass transactions, she said. Where the buyers could not have known if their payments, I'm reading from Reuters here, of money went to Ripple or any other seller of XRP. Interesting. So the buyer becomes the the person who profits from it becomes the the, the fulcrum here. XRP sales on cryptocurrency platforms by Jason, Ripple. Jason, you're not
0: going to figure this out in real time. This is too complicated. The bottom line is that the headline is... Well, I just want
2: to make sure the audience gets it, yeah.
0: Look, the headline is, I mean, the tweet, Ripple sales of XRP do not constitute offer of investment contracts, according to Judge. They won. Right. So that was sort of, you know, I think our read on that whole thing. But, but I think Jason's got an interesting point. He was sort of confused because he was like, look, the initial sale of Ripple to sophisticated investors constituted a security contract, um, but uh, sales over exchanges to normies in the real world. Um, you know, who maybe should be protected, was not a security. And he was he was totally baffled by this. So, uh, Mr. Beavis, commentary, and what have you heard about this whole Ripple thing in the last week?
1: Yeah, I mean, our council hasn't done their uh, big report email yet, which I'm like literally on the edge of my seat for. So I've just been, you know, doing armchair lawyering, uh so don't like listen to anything i say <laughs> but um you know i i try to th- focus on the, the distinction the judge is making between uh the sales to institutions and the sales on the exchange and what that distinction means for all of crypto all d5 potentially and of course i'm i'm biased i am you know. Probably compared to like a lawyer, like a moon boy, you know, I'm like, ah, crypto is the best. You know, crypto is going to win. Everything's awesome. But I'm I'm really looking at it like anything where there is an actual investment contract, um, like as in, you know, I'm taking this thing, which is a digital asset commodity, according to the CFTC, I'm wrapping it into an investment contract and going up to a hedge fund and saying, yo, will you, will you toss some dimes in here? Um, that is a security, I guess, obviously, in retrospect, um, dumping on exchange or, or uh, you know, using some kind of market making mechanism or just throwing these commodities into the market, not, it doesn't constitute an, an offering of security. So, You know, if if you look at the contractualization of this commodity as, you know, the selling security, then, you know, how can we apply that to pretty much everything else? And, you know, uh, lawyers really like smart contracts uh, because smart contracts come with a set of this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens, no expectations, and it's all code. Um, so you kind of think of like, okay, you know, the implications for digital assets as commodities would be kind of like, you know, digital assets, the smart contracts that drive them and all this other stuff, um, is, is just like all these derivatives we're dealing with. Um, it's just, I guess. You can say it's not a security, but but maybe beyond. So let me that, let me
0: try to summarize what you just said, because I think you I think yeah. I, I've heard a similar point. so the the ruling says that a crypto asset is not in itself a security. It does not embody a security. It is fundamentally a commodity first. So you are so a digital asset is not a security until proven security, which is sort of the opposite of what Gensler was trying to do and saying it's a security until proven otherwise, right? So, well, and that on, commo- and I'll give you a second, I'll, we'll come to you in a second, Sivlaki. But that com- that digital asset commodity can be wrapped, sort of like wrapped Bitcoin. You can wrap it in securitization, which is what Ripple apparently did when they sold to sophisticated investors. Mr. Sivlaki, what, what are your thoughts on this?
3: As, um, so, John Deaton, who is the he's the managing partner of Deaton... Um, attorneys, and I think they are the firm that represented Ripple in the case. Like he's uh, he's been quite vocal. And he's done a few trade threats on the lawsuit, and he 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 did one not too long ago, basically saying that the SEC lost at their own game in a in a sense that while well, this he went through the history of who Judge Torres is. Like she's she's uh, she's a Democrat. Her 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 um, I think it's her. Both her parents um, were judges that sat on the bench. Um, She's so basically coming from the angle that she doesn't, if she had a political allegiance, it would be with the SEC and the current incumbents as opposed to coming from uh, a neutral perspective that that we wanted. So he dismissed that angle, but then went on to say that, you know, throughout all these interactions that Gensler has had um, in interviews, he's always said, well, the guidelines are clear right? The, the Howie test is there. Um, there's, there. There's no lack of regulatory clarity. I mean, him, Ben Sherman, um, they were quite vocal in the, ex- well, they've made a point of getting that across in any exchanges they had that there is sufficient clarity. And then what she did, um, well, what Judge Torres did was she took each type of XRP sale and she measured it against the definition of um, the howie test and most of the time what she what fell flat is when you're selling xrp a token a token is not an investment contract so it fell it failed the definition on often the first point in many of the sales which that is why they got to that Oh, selling on an exchange. or oh, that is how she got to selling on an exchange. Doesn't constitute a security because it doesn't meet the definition of being an investment contract. The rest kind of doesn't matter, right? Whether there's uh, whether you're benefiting from the work of others and all the other prongs of the high test, like don't, you have to meet all of them, as far as I understand. So it doesn't meet the, 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 that investment contract, and but then that original sale to accredited investors is where they did fall short but then I think the counter argument and okay now moving away from John's thread and my own opinion here is that if you are going to sell uh unregistered securities the only place you're probably going to get away with doing it is with accredited investors I think they're going to appeal that that particular part of the ruling who's that
0: you think ripple's going to appeal or the sec I do
3: th- no i think i think ripple is going to appeal that part of the of the ruling the sec probably would for to show face because a lot of the other uh enforcement actions and lawsuits are on the basis that now are all in jeopardy because of those one ruling because because they had been building up this momentum of, well, they wouldn't ripple, right? They can go after any token because they all pretty much sold the same. Well, now, you know.
0: It Ethereum, changes the physics of the whole, of everything the SEC is doing, right? Yeah. like the laws of physics just change. All their yeah. other cases fall apart to some degree. Maybe, fall Yeah. Apart.
3: If you apply, if now this rule of law or this the ruling becomes the baseline judgment to work from. And interesting that when she, when uh, in some of the notes that uh, John was, was posting online, he was talking about how she said, through all the, in her findings, the SEC were not able to cite a single case where a, an item was deemed a security without having an investment contract supporting it
0: hmm.
3: so uh, yeah it was, I mean
1: uh, I think that's like the dream scenario right is like you know uh further precedent saying the CFTC is right tokens are commodities you know this isn't this this alone can't be a security and you know you think about like DeFi is all just creating derivatives of these tokens, whether it be an LP token on top of an AMM, whether it be an interest bearing token, whether it be whatever the hell, you know, we're creating all sorts of of strange derivatives. And the CFTC is like, okay, you're good as long as you settle that derivative in cryptocurrencies, as long as it's settled in more commodities. And, you you know, that's crazy bullish for DeFi. Uh, What's that? Yeah, I think it's
3: called derivatives.
1: Yeah. Call no, them derivatives?
3: Yeah. What? Why? Why do you? Why do you call? Why do you refer to them as derivatives?
1: Well, I mean, I refer to them as derivatives because it's like you know you have underlying capital and you issue another token on top of this underlying capital, and that token down the road can be redeemed for, depending on what happens underlying, you know, more tokens or the same amount of tokens, you know just as you'd kind of expect from a derivative. And I know people don't like saying derivative because it comes with a bunch of legal implications. But I feel like really, you know, every single thing DeFi is doing, if if you look close enough or you smell it close enough, um, is just making an analog to derivatives contracts. I see what
0: Beavis is saying, but I think it's more accurate to call it a wrapper. And and it's semantics probably. But I think think you have to, like a a token... Unto itself uh, does not embody a security; it's just not enough alone. But you can wrap it in securitization, which I think is what Beavis is trying well, to say. Well, no, I'm I'm saying I'm
1: saying making these making these derivatives on chain. So ignoring ignoring the word derivatives, you know, CFTC yeah. has jurisdiction over um, derivatives of uh, commodities, like they have jurisdiction over futures. Um, I don't think options contracts. But, you know, this this basket of financial instruments, and that's really like kind of what we're doing with DeFi right now. We're taking all these commodities, we're wrapping them in some sort of functionality via smart contract. And, you know, there are all these underlying assets underpinning this economy that can... Eventually, you know, be redeemed if you hand in this this derivative token. And it, it, I guess if you ignore like the whole tokenization, composability, you know, let's build you know a multi-trillion-dollar mountain um, of of you know derived assets. E- even just at the end of the day, the fact that um, you know we have some sort of clarity saying, you know, these are digital asset commodities any on-chain activity is is basically you are settling commodities let's not say contracts but you're 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 settling these uh financial instruments at, in in the digital assets themselves like there's no there's nowhere where like an actual investment contract is is touched you know there's nowhere where um you know someone is signing a piece of paper that says I expect at this date for this to happen.
0: Right. And, and, that's what I, and when I say wrapping it in securitization, that's what I mean. Right. So, so I, yeah. look, I don't want to, I don't want to belabor this point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Play sorry. Play I, I, it's fine. So, um, so anyway, so let's, let's move on a little bit. So Friedberg also on the all in podcast, he's one of the besties with Jason, um, later in the show. So the, the rest of the besties were very, very positive about, uh, the ruling Friedberg said, this is a really important moment. It's a huge rule of law victory. He's really encouraged by this. Uh, It it basically says, um, you can't adjudicate, uh, sorry, we adjudicated this case by the law and provided clarity in America, so the system worked. So basically, Friedberg's um, point was, the SEC overstepped their boundaries grossly, and you had an overzealous agency that tested the boundaries of what they um, had jurisdiction over, and the court slapped them back. So the system worked. In his view. So that was in his view, this is a very, very big and very, very positive outcome. And the other Bessies uh, seem to agree. And then lastly, uh, we have this from Representative Rich Torres. Needless to say, regulating digital assets through enforcement only had a dreadful day in court last week. In the wake of the resounding decision uh, in the Ripple case, the SEC Gov must reassess its continued assault on the crypto industry. So pretty strong words from one of our Congress critters. Uh, in a good way, so uh, thoughts on uh, thoughts on those reactions?
1: Yeah, I mean, no, I'm equally excited. Uh, you know, it's like um, it, it's it's a lot of a lot of freedom and a lot of uh, discreditation of the SEC's strategy, and and I think that's really all we're looking for. And to be honest, like I'm not sure if Binance is going to scrape out, you know, unscathed. Uh, but I think at the very least for Coinbase. Um, it, it puts a lot of weight in their uh, court, in their side of things, and and hopefully opens up uh, more opportunity for for American developers. Um, yeah, which is what I'm excited for.
0: Totally agree. All right, let's move along to what I think is the next interesting story, uh, which is the Chainlink bank chains. So Chainlink's interoperability protocol has gone live, which allows blockchains to connect to quote bank chains. And this could make it easier for traditional financial institutions to adopt blockchain technology. So in short, um, I I read up on this a little bit, CCIP, which is the acronym for this new technology. um, It's it's sort of like one part bridge, one part uh, intercommunication protocol. So smart contracts on chain A can talk to smart contracts on chain B. They are connected. It's almost like one smart contract spanning two chains. Um, so it, it's, it's theoretically a much better bridge. There isn't like a trusted third party, like multi-chain where there are keys that can, you know, some guy can get arrested and, you know, all the assets in the chain, the, the, um, the bridge can get seized. So that apparently cannot happen with this. Um, so I'm going to go to Suvlaki. What do you, what is your reaction to this?
3: I think it's a, it's a good advancement. And I mean, my understanding of it is it's a different version of the cctp that circle released a few months ago that allows you to move usdc um with the uh, with well they're not they're not necessarily they they're not going chain to direct chain to chain communication they're going uh chain off chain for confirmation and then off chain back onto the next chain confirmation um, I hope that made sense um but i think what is interesting in terms of what we're talking about like that 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 um that being able to talk to banks and all and and i don't know if i if, if i'm reading a bit a bit too much into it if we talk about you know able for banks to to work on a blockchain uh, their own private ledgers and then um being able to communicate to a public ledger through Chainlink's uh, CCIP and the reason what I'm not sure about on that is that Chainlink is a third party and none of the big players in any industry have an external third party that 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 governs such a significant portion of the operation so what i mean is if you look at just uh beat, uh, well they're called panel beaters in south africa i think uh, um i think in the states they're called uh, body shop repairs um you cannot have the same dealer that's accredited to work on a bnw and a mercedes on the same premises right so why and if you think of now the financial industry why would uh, like large inter- like Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, they wouldn't use one individual third party to manage all their messaging because that's a single point of failure in terms of accessing their proprietary information. And they generally generate that in-house. So what I actually look forward to in terms of how CCIP evolves is the same way how layer zero assisted circle in developing their CCTP, perhaps Chainlink becomes the pres- professional consultant for any bank wanting to cross over. Mm.
0: Yeah. So I think my, my understanding of this thing is that it is, I mean, the CCIP is like the ultra platform, right? That supersets all the other chains, right? And if you control that, if chain it's a big, it's a big ambitious play because it's like the operating system between chains, right? So Beavis. Yeah.
1: I mean, the thing about CCRP, the cross-chain interoperability protocol, is, like Suvaki saying, which I think is, is the big thing, is Chainlink is the third party. And if you know anything about Chainlink, you know, one of their biggest issues is, you know, they have administrative power via multisig. Um, so you are running into a lot of the same problems as multichain. And the thing is, multichain was doing the same thing. They were one of the first people to market with this cross-chain messaging. Um, so if you think about CCTP, CCTP is something designed to do a single thing CCTP,
0: sorry. So cross-chain
1: transfer protocol. Okay. So you think of CCTP, it's just meant to call a transfer, shoot a transfer over to another network. Purpose built, really tight, really hard, awesome. Whereas CCIP does anything, it sends a message and that message can be a list of crazy instructions. Um, and, and that is really cool. And I think Chainlink is kind of leveling up the reliability of, of cross-chain messaging protocols. Um, I'm, I'm kind of with Souvlaki here in, in that, are banks going to use Chainlink or are banks going to maybe use some private label implementation? Or you know, is, is Chainlink just going to provide the tech that banks are going to be using to do this? Because the value of, of, I think, CCIP... Chainlink's pitch is, and this is the pitch that is better than anything else, is guaranteed execution. And I think that's where a lot of the reliability talk comes in, because existing protocols, you fire off a message. If it fails, they spit it back. You know, they're like, oh, sorry. And sometimes it can take hours to fail. But Chainlink is like, you submit that message. We're going to try again. We're going to try again. We're going to try again. We have this decentralized system to handle that. Um, but at at the end of the day, it's like, you know, the chain link promises redundancy. Um, and, and that's where, where you get to talk about, oh, this is hard. This is like a hard link between, between blockchains, but really it's like they have logic that just tries to do it again. If it fails, there's no actual link, actual bridge. And all, all the bridges are doing exactly this. They're just sending messages. You don't think it's any
0: different really Mm -hmm. than Mm multi-chain. You think, you think this thing is. It's, it's just as vulnerable as multi-chain to some sort of centralized failure. Is uh, it is, but it's
1: from a much more trusted party, uh, a much more obviously compliant party and a much more intelligent party. And it's going to be years until we can escape kind of the centralization of multi-sigs. Um, well, so this is tech th- is just new.
0: So this is how they present it, right? So multi-chain, the security is trust i.e trust us, we've got keys at the center and we won't screw you, we promise. And our and our CEO won't be arrested. We promise. Uh, whereas uh, the CCP, CCIP relies on cryptography, it's completely trustless, and there there are no third party keys that can get at that. So I, I don't know who's right here, whether it's you or them. And I'm not. They're sure.
1: comparing it to uh, the base multi chain product, uh, but multi chain does a lot of their bridging, or they did a lot of their bridging with a product they call Any Call. Um, which is the first generalized cross-chain messaging system that Andre Cognier developed. If you remember in 2021, when he tweeted out that phantom scan link saying, yo, look at this, and he sent a message cross-chain and then settled the transaction on the other side, that was using Anycall, which he developed in in conjunction with what is now multi-chain. And um, I'll tell you, I trust Chainlink 100 times more. Um, Mm. I'm just saying, you know, architecturally um it's not anything that new it's just finally it's coming from a party that we've worked with we trust that is promising all these guarantees that we know they have the architecture to deliver i um, mean that's what multi-chain couldn't do so it's like they rush to market with this centralized you know weird product um that that does the same thing and chainlink was like okay we're gonna get 100 audits. We're gonna really think this through. We're gonna watch everybody fail. And then we're gonna put something that is actually ready for institutional use, um, which is the real value. And, and they're gonna pitch it as like new paradigm, whatever, But. To to someone inside the industry, it's just like, oh, it's Chainlink doing whatever everybody else has been doing. We're probably just going to use Chainlink now because we know Chainlink is reliable and we know Chainlink goes crazy stupid hard. Uh, right. So that's that's kind of the story of, of CCIP and
0: Yeah. So let me let me. So Suvlaki and I had a little uh, offline conversation last night talking about this topic, and Suvlaki asked me at one point, he's like, so why would a why would a bank use this? And my answer, right, and so my answer is, I think, that this is a, you know, this ultra platform that Chainlink is proposing is sort of an open version of what Silvergate and um, the other one, whose name is escaping me, um, but, you know, those two banks that failed other than Silicon, Silicon Valley, Valley Bank. Oh, yeah, I mean, so that. Silicon Valley Bank, Silvergate, and then there's Silvergate, there was one other one which began with an S also, weirdly. But anyway, they had this. signature. Yeah, Signature, signature. thank you. So remember Signature had this internal thing called Signet. Which mm-hmm. allowed for instant instant settlement between their banking partners and crypto things like blockchains. So, and that was an internal version of what this is, right? So, why would why would a bank use this so they can get instant settlement between bank world and blockchain world? You don't have to wait for you know uh, the the old banking system to move things around over a period of days. Um, so, that was my answer. So, Subaki, what are your you do you buy that answer or do you uh, do you, are you still like no nope, I not buy it?
3: uh i lean towards no i don't buy it because (laughs) why would they okay so i get so if we think about how the banking sector systems currently work right you have you have let's let's take away the banks that have risen up in the last um let's say the last five years right so any bank that you can think of older than 10 years they have tons and tons of legacy infrastructure legacy databases and if you think about the the large banks as they as they do mergers acquisitions with with smaller versions of our competitors right they take in all that sort of technical debt and you have you have literally like 10, 20 different accounting systems running through the bank, right? And some of them are old. Some of them are still built on like co- sort wall. of like a, an MS-DOS interface, right? Um, so the, they can be quite a BBC lot. Like uh, it, it is quite surprising on, <laughs> uh, awesome. on uh, some of the infrastructure that it it works, right? And they are working to bring it up to speed. But now, so a banking if, if if they're doing large trades or if you're sending funds so if i send uh if i send uh money to you either of you two that's not in the bank that i have it needs to go through a clearing house before it goes from the clearing house into into your receiving bank address right and the, that's just a part of the confirmation process so something like this eliminates the need for that confirmation process But why would you need the link to the blockchain? Why do you need a link to a public? ledger? Yes, Signet is a very powerful tool, but it doesn't take away any of the things that we want blockchain technology to replace. So it would not bring transparency to to the sector, right? Because that is still going to be behind a a closed private blockchain network, so only employees of the organization can see what what is happening there. Yes, you have faster transaction speeds, but you know that that is all in-house infrastructure. That is what well, that is potentially why you there was. Announcements not too long ago about, you know, um, EY was working to build with Polygon, with PolyLabs, I think it was to build a blockchain network. Um, JP Morgan was developing those o- their own. That's all to do this in house accounting. I do not see why they would want interaction with a public facing blockchain. Why is it would...
0: settlement? Why is that not? I can't, I don't know why you don't see that. I don't so, know why you disagree.
3: Instant settlement with who? Right. So, if bank A, so if bank A wants to, if you send funds from bank A to bank B, why doesn't it go directly from bank A's private network to bank B's private network? Why does it have to go through a public ledger?
0: Oh, I'm thinking more like uh, bank to blockchain. So, if you want to, you know, if you want to go from fiat to USDC or Tether or, or or Earn, right? You can basically. Take your money out of your bank and make it into earn in a second. That's why. I guess. I guess is that
1: a banking issue or is that like a broker problem that they're solving? Um, you know, it's a speed I,
0: problem that they're solving. I think that's my understanding of it. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what that's that's how I, I that's how it sounded to me.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of. I'm. I'm torn between the both of you right now because I can. I can see Souvlaki's point in that. Why are we trying to shoehorn public ledgers into? an industry that likes privacy and that likes, you know, keeping dark pools and, and managing everything. But we're not. We're not. And, and keeping things quiet. So
0: we're not doing it. So so basically whatever happens in bank world. So inside the bank, right? Yes, I agree with Suvlocki. That is private. So inside the bank, um, what can be interfaced to is either a private in-house block bank blockchain, which mm-hmm. is basically nobody, right? Except for JP Morgan, maybe. Um, and, or it could be a crufty old COBOL database. Right. So all this thing is that Chainlink has built is an interface point. It's soap for, you know, <laughs> bank to uh, to blockchain world. Right. That's kind of what it is. It's just it's just an API. Yeah, I, I think
1: probably the main thing is um, CCIP requires a blockchain on
0: both ends. Um, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. I read that the documents say that it, it doesn't they, they provide the interface point. They, you can whatever you have internally, you just have to conform to their API. I, I'm pretty sure that's what I read. Are, are you think I'm wrong? That- I mean,
1: I, I would say in that case, why would you use CCIP and not just send a transaction? Um, you know, because CCIP is to permissionlessly move messages from one blockchain. To another without needing trust, but if if a bank is just like oh I want to use this public ledger, they can do that with 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 an import and a single line of code already, uh, mm-hmm. without needing to use an interface. And and Chainlink wouldn't really add anything to that equation. Um, I think, you know, maybe if if I'm going to try to unite these two perspectives, you know, I, I would I would even throw all the way back to you know, what is the value of, of a triple entry accounting system? What is the value of a third layer of accountability, e.g. a Merkle root, a blockchain, you know, get as abstract as you want. Um, you know, what if transactions are cleared on a public ledger um, instead of in like, you know, some opaque, Clearinghouse. And this is coming from someone who doesn't really know anywhere near as much about banking as, as Sue Lockheed. Um right. And that's kind of also like that. I would I would I would put that in the moon boy talk category simply because why would they why would they initiate a whole new paradigm? like And, and why if they were to initiate a whole new paradigm? It's not like why would it happen anytime soon, you know, being let's let's settle transactions this way. Let's use a public ledger. Let's route things through here, here, here. It's useful for brokers, though. Um, it's useful for for hedge funds with, let's say, an optimism layer two. they they tokenize their real world assets on there just to facilitate onboarding, offboarding, trading, whatever. And then they're like, oh, we need liquidity of this kind. We're just going to move some cash over here, pull some some cash in that way. I can see it being really useful for that. But you know, if I'm a bank, I'm I'm like I'm I'm maybe just starting to think about Fed now. You know, and maybe still mm-hmm. like you know, I'm I'm like side eyeing blockchain a little bit. I'm like, oh Larry, thinks talk about Bitcoin. You know, maybe you know, all right. Let's from be Sublocky, because he
3: looks like he's ready.
0: To my wife <laughs> You you have the, you have yeah. the I, I I
3: think, I, look. Mark, I think the technology is a good base layer and it's a good base layer to build it from. I just don't think its implementation will get to that point where you have a bank speaking to a public ledger. But it but it could be used in various variations with internally within the bank or between the bank and the actual uh clearinghouse. Right. And I think one of the I think the biggest reason why it would never exist between a bank sending a message to a public blockchain is because that's one single point of entry onto the network and where do we see that elsewhere currently right the biggest version of that is this or uh, or version of that is the proof of reserves that proof of reserves that we've built for all decentralized centralized exchanges and we know that that gives a misleading representation of what is actually happening on the centralized exchanges, one, and two, Mm. and which is probably the biggest risk, is when you have something like Okram who pushed out messaging that a government had moved multiple, multiple millions of dollars out of a wallet, and they got that labeling wrong, it has devastating impacts potentially on the bank So that is opening themselves to a lot of risk where they have no input on or no ability to control or to mitigate that risk because it's a public ledger. And, you know, three of us or anyone in this uh, watching the show now, whether it's live or the recording, can go and can can watch what is happening there and draw their own conclusions and create whatever (laughs) narrative they want against either the government or the bank or like it's it's a very dangerous place so yeah it might get there in the future but i think right now like that i do not see the risk officers within the banking sector being like okay um you know i want i want a piece of that pie i think they will (laughs) stagger in the implementation of ccip because i think the technology is incredibly useful like you're saying signet was Signet is already part proof in terms of its value because of its that concept's adoption into FedNow, right? Yeah. And now the CCIP mm-hmm. is a layer that works together with FedNow. So now, if you think about FedNow as a as a um, FedNow as not one central one global network for all the US. Government agency, but each agency having its own FedNow equivalent for data privacy reasons. CCIP could be the connector between government agencies that allows the secure transfer of messaging between, you know, the Department of Defense and the Department of Education, or Treasury and the Department of Defense, or whoever. Because I think FedNow, it's it's are we? I think for the most part we assume that FedNow exists one interconnected network for all government agencies to sit on top of which leads some privacy issues but isolated this closes the gap and it solves for that issue and it's a very um let's call it a advanced sophisticated solution for that that paves the way for other bigger things so yes um, you can see cross cross private network transfers messaging i just don't see private to public messaging unless it's very very uh, isolated
0: got it okay well let's move <laughs> let's move along to our next topic so I don't know how, how much you guys uh, in the past have followed cello I think it's pronounced cello not cello um, so I'm, I'm gonna say cello um, and cello is basically this blockchain meant for mobile devices so it's mobile first and it was meant for the developing world and I know this because I, I dug into it pretty hard. About a year, year and a half ago, at one point, at one point I was fascinated with it, um, and it's and it has some. It, it's raised about sixty six point five million uh, over eight rounds of funding. So Andreessen Horowitz is in there, Polychain, Greenfield One, Coinbase Ventures, Jack Dorsey, Reed Hoffman, Naval Ravikant. So it's like you know, Batman, Superman, Aquaman, right? It's the Justice League of <laughs> investors, right? And it's got the it's got the cred. And it's been sort of going, you know, meh for, you know, a couple of years. The TVLs have never been very high. And um, and now they've just announced that they are going, they want to become an Ethereum layer two. So, you know, you, they didn't make it as their own L1. So, okay, we'll be a layer two. is sort of what it <laughs> sounds like to me. But uh, I don't know. Beavis, have you followed this? What do you think about this?
1: Yeah. I mean, I've been a fan of Mina, of Celo, of all of these, lightweight, mobile-friendly blockchains for a while. I think it's a very good idea. Um, The implementation, the adoption hasn't been amazing because I would say like mobile blockchains, if you have like, you know, really good tech, really good ideas uh, and, and really investable ideas, mobile blockchain more occupy the intersection between really investable ideas and good ideas. And so far we haven't really seen the good tech. Um, we haven't seen the developer experience, the interoperability, et cetera, that we've been looking for. Um, and what Celo gains as an L2 network, if, if they implement it really well, and I imagine their developers have, have just been like, oh, I wish we could start from scratch. I wish we could do this all over. Right. Um, I, I imagine that's going through their heads, assuming they have the same developer base that they've had for three, four years. If you become an L2, uh, suddenly you can take this consensus engine, you can take this, uh, you know, all this technology you've developed and wrap it in an interoperability layer, I guess this is this is the interoperability <laughs> season here. But you know, suddenly you have all the weaknesses of Celo. You're plugged into the strongest, at least socially and many strongest in many other ways, network being Ethereum. So you can borrow from Ethereum's network effect. You have all this tech, this mobile-friendly tech. You're like, okay, awesome. We still have, you know, we're firmly in the good idea, investable idea category. And, you know, does it solve other their problems? Um, I would say an issue with token economies is they, they kind of run out of gas uh, after, you know, a year, two years, whatever. They kind of run out of firepower. And it takes a really crypto-native, DeFi-native team to figure out how to start the engine up again. And I see $66 million in funding. You know, compare it to their field of competitors, looking at what they're trying to do. And I kind of scratch my chin and I'm like, I don't think that's quite enough dry powder, especially they've probably been blowing the hell out of that uh, for the past few years. Um, yeah, eight rounds. So,
0: so over eight rounds. So their cap table is probably a mess. Yeah.
1: My impression is it's kind of desperate, but it's smart. Um, you know, it's like, ah, uh, you know, we're out of dry powder. We're not getting the adoption. What do we do? Let's do this smart thing, which is a lot better than, you know, let's shoot ourselves on the foot and like fly into the sun. Um, so <laughs> well, most plans know, are
0: north of that. <laughs> yeah. I like
1: the direction, you know. Um, so what's and, good about them, look, So basically
0: they've got the mobile first, you know, mentality and a yeah. lightweight chain. So basically, I guess the pitch is we'll be the best mobile front end for Ethereum. Is that kind of what they're thinking? Uh, no. That, uh,
1: that is probably what they're thinking, but really like the this this cello thing is like it's client sided. The mobile friendliness is client sided. Like you can have an amazing mobile first experience for Ethereum without needing the cello network. A lot of them exist on Ethereum, like at the Uniswap right. app or on Optimism, on Armin. Yeah, that's
0: true. So you don't really um, I mean the layer could yeah. be a faster settlement theoretically, right? I guess and cheaper. Yeah. And-
1: and then you and then you use the Uniswap app on Arbitrum or Optimism, you know. Right. I mean, yeah, that's um, what it feels
0: like. It feels like Arbitrum or Optimism is the better way to go. Yeah. To so, me, it's like okay,
1: if I'm if I'm Andresine, you know, if I'm Paradigm, if I'm Coinbase Ventures, I'm looking at Optimism. I'm like, okay, here we have a potential winner. Andresine. Let's take our whole portfolio. Andresine. Or and whatever Mr. Horowitz's name Andresine. is. <laughs> Andres. Put the wrong
0: emphasis on the wrong syllable, but that's.
1: Okay. <laughs> Um, You know, I I see them just like trying to yank in their whole portfolio to to beef up optimism, which is smart on their part. It gives, you know, Celo a little bit of a chance to have a a reawakening. I don't think it's a silver bullet. I think they need to make a lot of right decisions uh, to actually see any impact. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm all about optimism. I'm all about the OP stack. I think, um, you know, Celo is cool. Optimism is cool. This will be something cool it's not going to be groundbreaking it's not going to have us all run around in circles you know thinking about how awesome it is but um it will be an exciting new piece to an exciting
0: uh old-ish puzzle okay sublaki so what do you what do you think about all this
3: Well, i would just want to start Oh, by saying I'm loving JB's puns today. Like he's absolutely daily Um And yeah, and also a shout out to everyone that's watching live. Like there's, a, there's always the familiar faces, the the same people um, in the chat w- w- whenever I'm fortunate enough to be on the show. And uh, man, it is so cool to to see the, the faithful in. Um, but yeah, I mean, J- JB gave like a very good explain on the tech side of things. Um, just like from a business perspective i think i think it's quite brave i i think they've done the brave thing in terms of you know making that call that you know we, we aren't making it as an l1 like that and and transitioning to an l2 it is a tough decision to make and you know at least that shows to a, a <clears throat> it's a compliment to the leadership to be able to identify and have the bravery to make that call to try do another approach and I say that in light of you know having poor leadership decisions is something that you see more often than not in DeFi so this so a good leadership call is more the exception than the norm um, in in most of the instances so I mean fair play to them I we will see how it develops like i don't know so much about like the network and the and the the, the, the what they actually offer as a technology but like jb mentioned like uniswap has their own app 1inch has had an app for years now uh, a 1inch wallet um that that allowed you to to do multiple things so it, it's good to it's good to try different things. And I guess we can just watch and see from a business perspective, whether they survive from this or whether that, that, that 66 million just, um, ends up becoming nothing.
1: Well, I mean, you look at it, forgive my interjection, but, uh, I'm sure there was like a safe or a SAFT type agreement and I'm sure every BC has recovered their principle, at least in part, maybe not the people like jumping into the later rounds. But if you look at the cello token, got its Coinbase listing, you know, everybody turbo dumped. Uh, so <laughs> I, I think, you know, right now you look at the good leadership, um, you know, you look at what I think is is pretty promising uh, ideas um, with decent tech. Um, I, I honestly see it as, as being either an active passion or just an attempt for VCs to unite their portfolio, maybe a little bit of both. Um, but like, I, I don't think I don't think the silo team is is necessarily hurting for money, hmm. um, and I don't think their investors, barring the the really like late ones, um, and probably not even them, are hurting that much. Uh,
0: hmm. So
1: that's my impression. You know, maybe uh, you know everybody being able to to recover principal. By dumping tokens was not possible, but uh, from from what we see with the Coinbase Ventures or Binance Labs backed projects, um, they dump. Generally, early. they can they can recover a lot of that.
0: Yeah, I've seen that too. All right, let's move <laughs> along. In the last ten minutes here, so uh, RFK Junior, uh, you know, presidential candidate, uh, has proposed eliminating capital gains taxes on Bitcoin, and in fact, uh, starting to back. United States dollars uh, in part with gold and Bitcoin. And he wants to start small. He doesn't obviously want to, you know, switch everything back to the gold and Bitcoin standard, you know, but basically start, start with like, you know, maybe 1% and start inching up from there. Um, what do you guys think about this? Is RFK uh, lost his mind or is this a good idea? So Vlaki, we'll go to you.
3: I, I wasn't sure about this. So like I went and, I read a bit and i i, th- I thought eric boy he said quite an interesting take on it in terms of you know how do you back something that has an infinite supply with something that um that has a finite supply so well so they just get so what happens when bitcoin hits when bitcoin gets close to its max supply and the dollar is still printing What what does that do from a monetary policy perspective what are you doing to inflation like how does that feed into its backing i i don't know i mean i'm not um i'm not an economist um but i definitely to to be able to tell you well this is exactly what it's going to do and this how it will play out but that doesn't sound good and it's no it's no coincidence that around the 1970s when the dollar stopped using gold as part of its backing that's when printing really just started taking off, right? Because there was, it it was then backed by the economy. If the economy grows exponentially, we'll print exponentially. And here we are. Um, and even back then, so then the discussion comes. Well, now you have this, this. I mean, it's an out of spiral money print, uh, printing that's going on. Like there's no, there's no set methodology around it how do you rein that in how do you just randomly bring that into check into a an inflation or printing sequence that matches anything whether it's the 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 gold that hits the market if you want to use a commodity or or equivalent or bitcoin or something else it's very difficult for just the dollar to shift to a backing that that is not the current state, because of, I think because of that, um, you can't I put the be, toothpaste think, back
0: into the tube is what you're saying, basically. <laughs> yeah,
3: I, I mean, I mean, it's, it's it's a wonderful idea. I don't, um, and I think it's, and I think the, the the all of us that believe in the the power of Bitcoin or DeFi in general we want that part of us really wants that but is that even though we want it i'm not sure if that's the right thing i i do think that having then like a large section of the global economy backed by bitcoin where the supply release is not nowhere near in sync i think that can be quite dangerous to well the, the well, he's not talking about dollar?
0: backing the entire all of dollars everywhere immediately with bitcoin and gold because I I mean that would be impossible, right? And I, I even he knows that. So he's he basically said let's just start let's just start inching backing some of the fiat dollars with bitcoin and gold. Um which I, I don't know if that does anything really, but it's it's an interesting idea. So
3: when I th- I think the challenge with that, sorry for for jumping in Justin, is that if shit had to hit the fan with the dollars to with the US dollar tomorrow, right? Whose dollar is backed by gold, and whose dollar is is like I don't own dollars, but I mean you two are US yeah. citizens, right? Mark, so is is the dollars you hold how, holding back by Bitcoin, and Justin, the dollars you held back by whatever other
0: by nothing, <laughs> by nothing, American spirit. Like,
3: uh, I mean, so how how does that distinction? Work? And that, I, think, that's, I think it would
0: be like both of ours are are fractionally back to the same degree
2: so it's Both like so the dollar would be like then.
0: fracks with bitcoin right It'd be like <laughs> it's sort of what they're what he's talking about right so each Possibly. dollar is one percent backed by bitcoin and gold and Possibly. then they would inch that up over time that that's my understanding about what he's proposing babies what do you what do you think about this
1: well i mean to me it's like okay you're a presidential candidate okay he's trying to pump asset prices so people like you know punt on him uh which is cool. I mean, it's a time-tested strategy, and it kind of works. I just think, like, Bitcoin's, what, less than 10 years old? Less than, well, no, it's no 10 years less, than, less than it's 20 like years
0: old. Yeah,
1: In the grand scheme of things, it's like, you know, a, a tiny little fleck on the, the history of, of money. And it, it just makes no sense to start using it as a reserve currency. I think the, the whole point of Bitcoin is... 50 years from now, it'll be a great sovereign reserve reserve currency, you know, maybe something good to have on on the balance sheet just to expose yourself to, um, you know, a a potential technical revolution or whatever. But at the end of the day, to me, the idea is a little ridiculous. Um, It's cool to talk about it. We talked about it yesterday on on BlockBytes, like it's cool to theorize. But at the end of the day, like the economy just doesn't work like that anymore. Um, you know I, I just, it, I'm
0: stunned at the lack of laser eye like I, I really thought actually you two would be more bullish on this but both of you are like eh, don't like it so. I mean like
1: please please market buy you know a trillion dollars of bitcoin I beg of you that would be dope I just like if I'm trying to, to, to have an unbiased take to me it's just like it, it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. It, the, the economy doesn't work like that. It's really just saying, hey, it, I mean, it's the same as it's the same as the Federal Reserve saying, hey, we're going to buy a bunch of stocks. You know, it's like, hmm. you know, oh, great. You know, the government's going to start buying more shit, pumping our bags. It's going to be awesome. Uh, and, and I agree. I love that. You know, I'll, I'll vote for someone who says he's going to pump Bitcoin. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, I don't think that's a platform you can win an election on. Um, I think it's cool that he's kind of putting this on a bigger stage. We talked about yesterday how it's really cool that he's uh, a Democrat talking about it. Um, You know, I think Bitcoin is totally nonpartisan. And and I think, you know, leftists, Democrats, et cetera, need to start talking about it, need to start talking about cryptocurrency. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, the economy gains nothing backing, you know, 1% of the monetary supply with gold or Bitcoin. Like, what it gains is probably, you know, a little, a little more leverage, uh, you know, you know, pumping asset prices, it's, it's just a dangerous game. And I, I think um, what we're doing now.
0: Uh... The lack of laser eye is astonishing. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, yeah. I mean, Weirdly, you've got like Larry Fink of BlackRock is like daily becoming more laser eye guy, right? He's, yeah. he's saying things that he's almost saying things like, uh, you know, it's heading towards being an international reserve currency. And we BlackRock need to you know have a significant uh role in that.
3: But there's a difference between being an international reserve currency and being the being the collateral that supports the US economy. Right. There's, there's differences there. And I think there's also differences between um, while I might not be that bullish on having Bitcoin supporting the the US dollar I am bullish in terms of having Bitcoin as a global currency that is used in day to day life and I'm bullish on using either not not Bitcoin the token but blockchain technology whether it's Bitcoin or ethereum or other in day-to-day life in terms of how transactions are processed and how that opens up the possibility and I think sometimes um like, so I view them in different silos, um, and like so, the the last this item two and three I'm quite bullish on in terms of the potential for Bitcoin or even totally. Ethereum to be part of day to day life spending. Go to go to the store, spend Bitcoin, spend Ethereum, spend your spend a globally recognised stablecoin, right? Or have everything recorded on 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 a distributed ledger, but I don't know about using something as well, not like a reserve currency, like an actual collateral to back a whole nation state's economy who has its inflation out of control.
0: So yeah. it looks like it looks like you're OK with uh, RFK, the second half of RFK's proposal, which is to eliminate capital gains taxes on Bitcoin, the dollar conversions so that it can be used as a currency. Do you like that? Yeah, yeah. that
1: would be yeah. that would be extremely dope. Um, I think, you know, my my comment, I think, is going to be the same you know, across the board, it's like, here is a highly speculated on young asset. Um, and and when you're saying, when you're kind of knighting a, a young asset like that, it's like, you know, you're making a bunch of 30 year olds hyper wealthy, which is, is fine in a certain way. I just think it, it, it carries a little too much bias um, toward Bitcoin speculators and Bitcoin uh, investors for it to be a truly like wise, like federal level type decision. But I see it as being an eventuality. And I think maybe the story of a lot of our conversations today has been, you know, thinking of Bitcoin from a banking reliability perspective versus thinking of Bitcoin in a, you know, capital allocator, you know, investor type perspective being know do i think uh you know ccip is going to be awesome for banks no do i think it's going to be awesome for your larry thinks your hedge funds hell yeah um same thing with like you using bitcoin as you know a, a reserve currency should it you know underpin our economy no um should we support its growth and and try to ensure that uh it has adoption and that we can break down monetary borders Hell yeah and and i think you know, the US dollar, uh, the best thing the government can possibly do is buy into to public ledgers, buy into Bitcoin, get the US dollar used in every DeFi protocol, get the US dollar used in every country, get it on every settlement platform, get people buying their groceries with it. And stable coins and, and public ledgers facilitate that.
0: And Bitcoin so, does a similar thing. So Bitcoin as backing for the earned stable coin is okay. But get Bitcoin is backing for the USD dollar is not very interesting. One is very, one is a financial instrument and,
1: and one is, <laughs> is not. And I would say same deal. It's like, uh, you know, Bitcoin for, for finance is awesome. Bitcoin for and of course, banking, I guess, is a subset of finance or vice versa. But um, it's yeah. just it's still kind of a volatile shitcoin coin in the grand scheme of things you know it's wow. still God. you know it, it still goes this, absolutely the of laser nothing.
0: eye just stuns me you're talking
1: to over. you're talking to Can a I stable coin you? guy you know i'm i'm no. like uh, when a stable coin moves point 0one percent i'm like oh no no yeah. Okay. Right, so that's
3: what I'm dealing with there. Okay. Yeah. Do, you, do you remember, and it was, it was quite interesting. Do you remember a few months ago when, um, the SEC rolled out the lawsuit against finance the next day they rolled it out against Coinbase and the next yeah. day, uh, Gensler went to, or he went on his victory lap and he went, and one of the interviews he did was, was on CNBC and he spoke about how, you know, um, The the world doesn't need an additional digital currency. It already has digital currencies like the US dollar, the sterling and the euro. Right. And the thing is, right, when you put when you he already made the comparison between Bitcoin and three currencies. And those three currencies, there's no capital gains tax when you trade in currencies. They they are different tax rules when you trade with currency. So and was, oranges yeah and they are absolutely not securities or commodities so it um it, it was just funny and I just think in the, in the context of what what JV was saying it just made me think of of you know how 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 things change and how things evolve and you know I I and I do agree with JV in a in, in a sense of sorry Justin I've just uh, I've just labeled you JB like throughout the throughout uh, the school. Oh, I hope JB, that's okay. <laughs> that's my name and Telegram. Oh, I was wondering
0: who JB was. Oh, okay, I no, just, <laughs> just, just <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah,
3: but it's not one of the like Justin never once uh, introduced him. He's like, hey, I'm JB. Um,
1: I so, signed my emails with JB as well, so it could be. Well, I hormonal. think
0: I do think Beavis is. Or sorry, that uh, Suvlaki is right though. That you know, if you uh, the the United States dollar since the '70s. You know, we're, we're not the we, we, we print like madmen and, you know, we're, we're not the first empire to think of this. You know, oh, need more money? Just make some more. It's fine. You could do this forever. Right. Every empire that you know, the Roman Empire would debase their coins by, you know, there'd be less and less precious metals in the actual coin. And that so was like pretty much like ninety nine percent tin. You know, at (laughs) at the end when the Roman Empire is falling apart, you know, there's been hundreds of examples of empires of the base, their currency. And we're we're just the latest and we're the latest one. And we're the biggest one. We're this has never been tried on this scale. So when the fall happens, it ought to be as colossal as the buildup. Right. But I think physics and gravity ultimately take hold. And there's probably no way to stop that. But it doesn't there's not enough gold or Bitcoin on earth and not even with that stupid asteroid that's got like 50 million quadrillion dollars worth of plutonium in it uh in in gold right probably even that's not enough to back it so yeah i I think it's i think it's done it's just a question of when that when it collapses i you know don't know when a year five years ten years but it does happen for sure so Uh,
3: i i just want to add a comment on something justin said earlier from you know when you adopt if, if you adopt gold, you you make this um, group, well, it's wider than a group of like 20, 30-year-olds instantly wealthy. And I just wonder, how different is that versus centuries ago in the UK, for example, when the king gave away to lords? to 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 look off the counter and and in that allocation they instantly made these people incredibly wealthy just because of their connections and it's kind of the second coming of something like that i think something similar happened in the u.s but i'm not too sure about its history in terms of how land was then distributed to to just individuals
0: Homesteading Um, act that was kind of cool so basically if you moved out west they would say you can get 10 acres for free the government will just give it to you if you move there
1: yeah I mean, I guess, yeah, if if you're if you're willing to be exit liquidity for like two decades in a row to grow Bitcoin, <laughs> yeah. uh, then maybe you deserve to be hyper wealthy, honestly, like, and, and you know what, at the end of the day, like, the government does that all the time. It's like, oh, you know what, we're going to start investing in green energy, because, you know, somebody convinced us that it was good. And now we're going to make green energy stockholders like, you know, mad wealthy. And I guess that's the power of investing and of capitalism is, you know, people willing to take risks and and bootstrap this stuff. If it gets adopted by the U.S. government, then it gets adopted by the U.S. government. And making making 23-year-olds, well, maybe like 32-year-olds now uh, with how old Bitcoin is, uh, you know, making some of those guys
0: hyper wealthy. The only people who own Bitcoin are old people like me. All the kids own, you know, all the 20 or 30 year olds, they don't own Bitcoin. That's like a boomer coin. So they, they own like Ethereum and got Celo, you know, I don't know, probably like all the the younger, you know, they own Doge, right? Like that's what they own.
1: Considering, considering the Taliban and North Korea settle a lot of transactions in Bitcoin, you could argue that knighting Bitcoin uh, is funding terrorism. So, oh my God! You'll see that. You guys are the worst. You
0: are terrible at being laser eyes. <laughs> You're like the anti, like what's the opposite of a laser? Whatever that is that your eyes are. We open our eyes and lasers, yeah, they, lasers, lasers go backwards, backwards back and melt
3: our All, all right. that work to lose that narrative the last few months, and uh, oh, just <laughs> just ripped it off. It's just like oh.
0: All right, time to end the show before Black Hole opens up and swallows the sun. My name is Mark Jeffrey. Thank you, Savlaki. Thank you, Bebas. This has been Across the Chains. We'll see you all next time. Bye.
1: Bye.